0: Welcome everyone to another episode of She's in Tech Podcast. We have an awesome and very exciting guest today, Amel Hussein. I'm Susan. I'm an apprentice here at This Dot, and I'll be helping host the episode today. And we'll have everyone else kind of introduce themselves.
1: Hi, my name is Christina. I'm an engineer working on the front end at a large hedge fund in New York. That's
2: cool. Yeah, I have a much less cool job than Christina. <laughs> Hi everyone. My name is Amal Hussein. Um, I'm a principal software engineer at Indigo Ag. We're a company that's saving the planet. It's, I'll put it that way. In, in a short, in, in a short I'll, I'll make you Google us. And yeah, I'm uh, based in the Boston area. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I 2021. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator, Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com.
0: Well, thank you, Amel, for joining us today. We are going through a very interesting topic of career growth. And I think anyone in the field, especially people who are new or people who are just looking to level up transition into a different role. Um, Some people have a harder time knowing what that entails or what that looks like. Other people have an easier time depending on maybe how expectations or requirements are laid out at their companies. Uh, So Amel, since you have such a unique background and I know that you've, you know, hosted podcasts before, you're with a company that's not only tech related, but combines other passions with engineering. uh, We thought, you know, to get your background a little bit on maybe how you got started how you went from where you started to being uh, in the position you are now. Um, some of that context, I think, will be really great for people who are looking to do something similar.
2: Yeah, Th- thanks so much, Susan. Um, so yeah, I many years ago, Uh, decided I didn't want to be a biomedical engineer and uh, wanted to just actually write software for a living. Um, And so, you know, about 10 years ago, I started making that transition to just um, writing software. And fortunately, I was uh, in an engineering, I went to an engineering college, I guess, uh, tech school. And so there was a lot of folks that were around me, you know, programming. um, So I was very kind of privileged in that sense. But um, I made the transition to software because for me, it was the fastest way to solve problems like and, and really make a difference in today's world. I felt like, you know, it's it's so democratic uh, to write software, um, it, very different than biomedical engineering, where, you know, y- there's kind of a lot of shackles around like what you can um you know, like how how you publish your work, or how you, how you research, or how you author, etc. And you know, with 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 um, software, you know, especially open source software, you know, the, the community aspect and the sharing and the open learning, and you know, that's something that's really hard to walk away from once you get exposed to it, that culture, and so and it's a force multiplier, as you're aware, and so. So, yeah, so just I I made that transition because I was like, I want to make a difference. And, you know, this is the fastest way how and, uh, the, you know, and so I made that pa- painful transition, kind of maybe being mid level, you know, I wouldn't have started at the very bottom, I, I would say as a biomedical engineer, but then I, I made that leap of like, starting out as a junior engineer, right? Like, it's like, hey, you know, I have... I have experience in this other thing, but I have zero professional experience in this in this new field, and mm-hmm. it's and it's a very it's a humbling thing to start over um, for folks that are transitioning. Like it's not easy, but I would say that keep in mind that you bring a lot of you bring a lot of expertise to the table, uh, specifically around like, you know. Your professional experience, your soft skills, um, you're just you just your general adultness, you know. So there's a lot, a lot that you bring to the table. So you really aren't as junior as you think, and you know, you should try to use that to your advantage, right? Because there's th- like things that maybe your colleagues that are fresh out of college are learning, but you're not, and so. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But yeah, I, I made that transition. I've really just been kind of climbing up the ladder since, you know, going from engineer to like mid-level to senior to, to lead to, you know, and um, to manager at some point. Now I'm kind of made that pendulum swing uh, back into like a leadership IC role as a principal software engineer and and, and I guess the team lead. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot to say there, so I'll uh, I'll let I'll let you catch I'll I'll catch my breath and I'll let you <laughs> jump in.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Actually, that as someone who comes from a non technical background, especially, it does give me a lot of hope, if you will, <laughs> that um, it is possible to move up even without sort of that non technical background. And you know, I completely agree with what you said about. the soft skills and other transferable skills from other fields and other jobs that you've had where especially as a software engineer developer working in web development you know it's not just about reading code writing code it's not just about the code right it's a lot of teamwork experience and dynamics it's understanding workflows and you know having a better understanding of sort of the end result that you're wanting um, especially when you're considering user experience and you know, what type of aid, what type of change are you bringing with the work that you're doing? And I think it's so important to have that context when you are working. I know for me, as much as I enjoy code, you know, it's just as important for me to understand what value is this bringing, right? Like, what am I bringing to the table? What am I contributing to? And how is this helping people um, or how is this helping in general? So I think that's really helpful to have that context. But yeah, I don't know. I just, um, it's nice to hear that. And, you know, over time, I think I'm starting to get a little bit less nervous when it comes to, you know, diving into the field a little bit more, you know, thinking about moving up. Because as a junior, I'm like, oh, no, it's going to take me a long time before I can consider moving up. But, you know, sometimes it's, I mean, it's not just about the title either, right? It's about learning and experience and kind of what you're doing to help others, you know, as you progress. Um, So it's really awesome that you've been able to incorporate all that during your journey. Um, So thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. I I would say that, you know what, Susan, like one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, you know, you're kind of like, Uh, the best engineers that I've worked with are folks that have actually come in from different fields or have a different background, uh, just because I think they bring an intersectional approach to like their problem solving. And they're a lot more, you know, especially folks that have spent time working as support and support. I've noticed like they have like, literally they make the best engineers because they're just so user focused and there's so much empathy there. And so, yeah, just, you know, don't let, I mean, there's, there's a lot of gatekeeping and Billy, whatever, Billy goats in our industry that, you know, folks like trying to make others feel like they're not welcome because of X, Y, Z. And that's complete BS. Um, so just like keep that in mind. Like the the math is in our, is in your favor, you know? So oh. just, just keep that in mind. But yeah, in terms of really like making that transition, you know, it really, it happens slowly, right? You know, I mean, it, you, you kind of get to a point where you're the person that people start to ask questions too, right? And like when you start answering more questions than you're asking. And again, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. I ask questions all the time and everyone should ask questions. Like there should be no shame in like asking questions, you know, but but (laughs) I think there's, you know, there's kind of two things you're trying to master when you start a new job. One is kind of like the domain, right? So the like the actual business logic of like how does this business operate? What are the rules of the business? And how do I take the rules of the business and then apply that into the software, right? So that's like, that's one thing. And then the other thing you're trying to master is the stack, right? And there's no engineer that walks into a new company and is like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent expert with everything you're using because every company has their own like mishmash of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. There's like legacy, there's new, there's everyone has like that funky cryptic story of like, you know, (laughs) why they have like three languages in their code base or, you know, uh, why, you know, like, yeah, why they're using like two UI frameworks, you know, in one (laughs) like right like there's so many like everyone has their st- crufty story and that's normal like that's completely normal software is supposed to be funky and uh g- grow cruft and over time that's completely normal it's nothing like we, we you know you're always just working on incrementally improving that right and if you if you don't have anything to improve then like well you're like there's no job security for for software engineers right there what are we doing <laughs> so, so but um <laughs> You know, but, but ultimately like, you know, once you've mastered the domain and you've start, you've started to master the stack, you know, and you know, things happen faster for like, sometimes you master the stack faster than you master the domain. Sometimes you master the domain faster than you master the stack, you know, but either way, like once you get to a comfortable point with both of those things, you know, you're in a place where you're, you're starting to feel confident and you're able to help new people. And, you know, and I think, you know, there's don't underestimate the ability of like the confidence that you get you know, being able to help others do their job, you know, it's a confidence boost. There's so much kind of psychology that goes into, I think, performing well um, at work, especially in tech, like where there's nobody knows everything. And so it's a, it's a, it's an industry that's really kind of culpable to a lot of imposter syndrome, you know, because of that. So, you know, uh, so yeah, once you're helping others, you know, you start to feel confident and, you know, you start to kind of develop your area of expertise and, you know, and, you know, you kind of take it from there because then, you know, you're able to maybe help lead a project or you're able to help lead a new feature and, you know, um, you know, gain some of that leadership experience and it really kind of just snowballs, you know, and so before you know it, like, you know, you've, you've got the rhythm down, you know, how to develop a new feature, you know, how to work with your stakeholders, you know, how to deliver uh, something end to end, you know, safely. And, you know, and so really like, it's just kind of building on those skills. That's really kind of all it is kind of progressing throughout the career. You're just, you're then just solving problems at a higher level and less macro as you kind of, you know, climb up your career. So that's
1: it's it's fine to hear. I also switched in from uh, majoring in economics and doing a lot of physical, you know, mechanical civil engineering classes to software engineering a few years ago. Um, I'm more curious about your open source contribution, like what made you decide to do it and how has it helped your career?
2: Yeah, so I, you know, my personal open source—that's a great question. Thank you, Christina. Um, my my personal open source contributions have been mostly actually around community stuff and podcasting or hosting events. Like, I actually code like eight hours or nine hours a day or whatever. Like, usually writing software. Um, so I, you know, the idea of like going home and writing more software isn't my thing personally. Um, so a lot of my contributions have been around community work and, uh, you know uh and, and it's been and it's th- that's been like tremendously rewarding right like and it's also like teaching classes i love i've taught, taught done a lot of workshops and like i speak at conferences and teach classes and whatever else um so that's been incredibly rewarding for me um and if we have contributed to open source and uh you know mm-hmm. it's something i actually am interested in now that i'm I, i'm now i'm at a point in my career where i'm a lead i'm i'm i actually uh, craving the stability of kind of having one project to consistently contribute to, because my time is so fragmented as a lead, you know, so it's funny now I'm like, you know what, I need to find a project, um, that I like just consistently contribute to. Cause like, you know, I need, I need a thing that's just mine. <laughs> so it's ironic. So I'm, I'm now like looking for that. Um, but yeah, but personally, it, you know, that hasn't been a huge thing. Um and, and nor should it be for others, like in the sense that I think there's a lot of uh stigma or I don't know, misconceptions around like, oh, in order to get a job, you have to start making open source contributions. And like really, like that's not that's not true. And it's actually very employer specific, depending on like who you're working for. Like they're never even gonna ask for your GitHub. A lot of company large companies especially, um, you'll 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 see the occasional startups that are like, let me see your GitHub. I want to see how you know how much you've been coding for free. And based on that, I want to give you a job or not. Like, I mean, that's, you know, it, the problem with open source is that it really lends itself towards people who have the time and privilege. And so you're like, there's inherently a lot of bias there. So it shouldn't be like the only metric, right? It's just like, I know plenty of engineers who, you know, contribute and I know plenty of amazing engineers who, ne- who don't contribute and like that's, it's a personal choice either way, so. Awesome. Uh, Thank you for sharing that, that's
1: really definitely helpful. It's interesting that you pointed out that um, being a lead engineer feels fragmented over the past few years. I feel that as I transitioned from a new software engineer, um, when I joined PayPal a few years ago to right now, I feel that I'm gaining more responsibility on projects. and starting to delegate and work with other developers to spec out projects and take more ownership of the outcome as you progress in your career you mentioned that sometimes you consider more macro issues and it feels more fragmented. Does it mean that you have to manage multiple projects at once?
2: Yeah. It's for me, it's that like, you're kind of, you know, for me, I have like one foot in the past because I'm like, there's some tech debt that we need to come back to and I need to like figure out a strategy for how to clean up the tech debt. And then, I have one leg in the present, you know, doing code reviews and like, obviously leading the work at hand. And then I have one leg in the future where like, we're planning out our next batches of work. So I feel like I'm always circulating between like present, past, future, present, past, future, present, past, future. And they're always fighting for each other's time, if that makes sense. And so that's why I feel like my time is presented. Yeah. And and like my day goes from like speaking to like product owners, you know, and like, you know designers to like working with engineers on like m- micro topics to like working with my colleagues other other lead engineers to plan and negotiate contracts or whatever. um, so there's you know it's it's a very i would say like it's definitely you know sometimes you can go deep on something and have a lot of focus, but depending on like m- most of the time when you're a lead, you know a lot of different people want your time and attention, so you just have to be comfortable with like context switching and you know being generous with your time, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the big thing. And then, and then finding like, you know, where, figuring out when you do your work, right? Because that's always the challenge is like, you know, okay, I'm always helping everyone else or doing something else. Like, when am I going to do my work? You know, and that's like the magic five o'clock hour is, is when when a lot of people seem to do their work. Okay, it's five o'clock now, I can do my work. And, you know, that's not a good thing, and nor is it sustainable. So I'm still figuring that that part out. But yeah, I have started to do focus blocks in the morning. And I think that's that's been really nice, just starting before everyone else and getting my stuff done early. So, wow. Yeah. yeah still evolving. Really <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still, Right. No one knows you're online, you know, so people don't, <laughs> <want to. laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, there's still so much to learn. I mean, I'm, I'm growing, I'm still very much growing and like learning how to manage my time well and like learning how to, uh, learning how to delegate is a big thing, you know, you know, I realized as a team lead, like, Sometimes it's not your job to, it's not your, it's definitely not your job to do all the work and you feel inclined to do so sometimes. And so, you know, just learning how to delegate and and it's okay to delegate and it's okay to not solve everybody's problems. You know, like that's something that, you know, you don't, and, and, and and sometimes you're, you're the wrong person to do all the work because your time is so fragmented. You can become a bottleneck, you know? So, you know, so just things like that, that you learn, there's a whole new set of problems. Like I hate to break it to everybody, but like, yeah. (laughs) Like you have a set of problems that like are more like niche and, you know, and they, they, they push up hard against your skills. And, you know, so you're Mm -hmm. kind of forced to grow quickly because, you know, it's a unique set of problems that you need to now
3: adapt to really, you know, in order to to do your job well and support your team. So, yeah. Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, And that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev.
0: Well, that's awesome. It sounds like, you know, there's a lot of growth and learning that you've done as you've been changing into these different roles. Do you have any either generic or tips, you know, any tips that you would recommend for people who are also kind of going through this journey and this growth of, you know, whether it's kind of moving up into a different role or transitioning into something parallel, but just, I don't know, into work that maybe feels more fulfilling to them. I don't know. Do you have any tips for people who are making those changes and you know, if there's any obstacles that you felt like you've had to overcome during those transitions that people uh, can kind of be more aware of so that they're ready and better prepared for those?
2: Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. I, I really think you, you need to kind of, I, I really, you know, you kind of need to, unfortunately, like if you're switching jobs or even switching roles within the same company, like there's, you know, the only constant is you, right? So mm-hmm. developing, developing a plan with yourself or you check in with yourself every, you know, three months or six months. And just see like, you know, how am I doing, you know, where did I, you know, it's very easy to kind of as an engineer, like, you know, get lost in the problem solving, but realize like, Hey, six months later, I'm not actually growing in the way that I want, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to check in with yourself and say like, how do I want to be growing? Where, where areas that I want to be growing? Like, you know, what, what do I want to be learning next? It's really important for you to kind of constantly check in with yourself and, and make sure that you're still challenged and growing and, and learning what you want to be learning. And, you know, so as you're kind of evolving your skills and checking in with yourself, just make sure that you're giving yourself up, like talking with your manager, being open with your colleagues about like, Hey, I want to learn this or, Hey, I, you know, I'm not so good at that. Like, I'd love an opportunity to like, you know, work on this Python project, you know, for a change, for example, or, you know, I, I, if you're working on the back end and maybe it's do this little front end thing once. Right. So I think it's important to push yourself and grow, but, you know, keep in mind that like you're your best advocate as well. Right. And, you know, it's, it's good to also develop obviously relationships with folks at work who you can, you know, uh, you can become kind of mentors to each other and sponsor each other's work. But really I found that like, you're, you're the best person to hold yourself accountable. So just, you know, do regular check-ins with yourself and make sure that you're growing and you're, you're still doing what you want to be doing and work is still exciting It's it's very easy to to like, you know, let's 12 months go by and realize, oh crap, like I'm still doing the same thing or I haven't grown in as much as I could. So, you know, yeah, just keep, keep yourself accountable. Um, and also just don't be so hard on yourself either. Like this is a hard <laughs> industry and a hard, you know, it's, it's, I, you know, it, stuff is hard. I don't, I don't, I'll, I don't want to say the other word, but we can just <laughs> Right. So S I S H I T is hard or whatever, right? So (laughs) definitely. So so just 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 Mm -hmm. be kind to yourself, you know, celebrate your successes. Don't just don't just constantly berate yourself, you know.
1: In terms of having you know a crystal barometer to measure your growth and have goals, would you feel that over the last Um, Over your experience as a software engineer, there are particular phases or skills you've picked up that's really helped force multiply your impact across the workplace.
2: Yeah, honestly, it's delegating. (laughs) Yeah, really like that's and collaborating with others like, because I'm only going to be able to do X amount. And if I delegate it to someone else and I, you know, like they're now able to do it and, you know, and that's time I'm not spending. And then also collaborating Mm -hmm. with others is like, you know, everyone is chipping in their time to make something go faster. So really like you have to collaborate in order to do like to do more, you know, you have to be an effective collaborator. And that means that, you know, you're not always like, you know, so if you're someone that's like, hey, I'm, you know, I want all the credit or I want all the limelight or, you know, this, that, or the other thing, I want to be hero. Like you have to put that like aside, right? Like it's, you know, heroes are great, but heroes have a huge Achilles point, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So collaboration collaboration and delegation, like really that's been the uh, force multiplier. So. Awesome. I think, you know, actually kind of piggybacking off of that,
0: you know, how would you recommend, you know, how can managers and maybe peers of someone who is trying to move into a different position, how can they, how can managers and peers best support people who are trying to move up in their career or make a change? Because, you know, for example, I uh, try to keep in touch with the other people I attended my boot camp with, and we're all trying to support each other in some way. way. And, um, you know, as we move up and work with other people, you know, we'll be working on different projects with different teams potentially being a team leader, a manager to others. So how do you think people in those positions um, can best support the people who are saying, hey, I, you know, I love what I'm doing, but I want to make some sort of change.
2: Yeah, um, like make 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 some sort of change to do, to, to move into like a leadership role. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, yeah, I would say really, it starts with, you know, like, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you just have to like start being bossy to like be noticed as like a leader you know Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that but but I would say there's always an opportunity to lead something regardless of whether somebody assigns you a specific role or not like you can there's I'm there's always tech debt. There's always something that sucks. There's always something that's painful. So you should maybe like find a pain point, find something that you want to improve and like lead, lead that project, whether it's uh, self-directed by yourself, you know, where you fix the problem and demonstrate and whatever else, or, you know, you collaborate with others to, to rally and like fix a problem, you know, but ultimately like in order for people to see you as a leader, like you have to like, you you know, you, 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 you need to put yourself out there and like, kind of get in front of solving people's problems and, you know,